the K.J. Wright Show. On Seattle Sports. The ball is intercepted. K.J. Wright reaches up about 13 feet in the air. Number 15. Now every Wednesday with Rock and Song. How y'all like that? Brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. All right, I was able to lure K.J. in from the other room. He got me. He got me. Like a, like... Some ice cream and candy. Like, all right, come on. Come on in here. What would what would it take to lure you somewhere? What would um, you be a victim? Oh, some some catfish. Oh. Some deep south Mississippi. Catfish. Farm raised. Really? Bottom feeders. Catfish. catfish is real good. It is. They're disgusting. I mean, like, that's they're, a they're disgusting very nasty, animal. They're very nasty fish. You don't want to know where they come from or what they look like or any of that. But you you fry that up, put it in a po' boy. Yeah. That's tastes like heaven. That's pretty darn good. Same thing with bacon. Pigs, all that stuff is nasty for you. But you won't catch me eating a salad. What's going on? Well, I don't know. Maura was late today. Uh, so she's going to. Thank God. Yeah, she's going to have to tell my friends. Well, she's going to have to sing later. That's that's what we do here. <laughs> we, guys, yeah. we, we were talking earlier about uh, me be almost being late for a Monday night football game. So you were never actually late for anything in your time in the pros? No. I, no, I was late for the game. Okay, you were late. Whoa. Uh, I was late for warm-ups. Oh, okay. We always go out there two hours early. And it was me and Mike Morgan. And when I tell you, I was just <laughs> sick to my stomach. <laughs> like, just awaiting. My ki- my coach would be waiting right there at the door. Like, where are you? And y'all was late for the game. So how did that happen? Traffic. Traffic <laughs> Traffic. Traffic's not an excuse. Oh, we you didn't plan ahead? We we planned ahead, but that traffic was a beast this day. <laughs> and I mean, KJ is always fifteen to twenty minutes early. That's for this. true. I know you're yeah. a very punctual guy. Yeah. So I was like crying on the way to the game. Really? Like God? Like I'm about to miss a football game. Mike so care at all? Are, are people blowing you up, or are they just like silent treatment? Yeah, it was silent. Nobody oh. texts you. Nobody calls oh. you. No. Nothing. No, because technically I was still early, but it, according to me, I was late. Oh wait KJ. a minute. Oh, you were just late for your time. I get to the same three hours before. What time were you required to be there? I was like, it's coach was like two hours before. Oh, and so you still made it by his time? Yeah. Well, so you weren't late. Oh, this is oh my god, this is bad at all. Story. No, man. No. I thought you were like late, late. I was late. I was late enough. You were late for you to where I was about to cry. I mean, but but yeah, like it's not like you were gonna get in trouble. Well, no wonder Mike Mo didn't have any like <laughs> sense of urgency. He was like, KJ sitting here complaining. He's like, oh, Mike doesn't care. He's just sort of lollygagging down, it's sitting standard. in traffic. The standard's the standard. So but that's his. That he doesn't care about your standard. He cares about the coach's that's, that's, standard. That's why I should have drove that day. <laughs> He's still mad about it. That's pretty good. Um, do you enjoy uh, some football this weekend? Absolutely. What stood out? Oh, the Baltimore Ravens stood out. They've stood out since <laughs> earlier this football season. Just total domination. You know, their defense, i tell you about their defense. Number one in sacks, number one in turnovers, number one in scoring defense. Those guys are the real deal. Why Why are they so good defensively? What is When you watch them, because it used to be Ray Lewis, and we knew every player on that defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think we know every player on that defense now. I, mean, I could probably name a couple, but it's not the Haloti Nadas and Ray Lewis's of the world that were so dominant. Yep. What is it about that defense that's so good? One thing that I really admire about their defense is their third down package, in particular when you see every guy at the line of scrimmage, every guy looking like, I'm rushing up the middle. I'm rushing on the outside. We're dropping here. I saw a nose tackle drop on a third down and almost get an interception last last Saturday. And so just the creativity that they do, the way they confuse quarterbacks, 
Like, you don't know if we're in quarters. You don't know if we're man-to-man out of this look. And so I really like their third down package and how they confuse quarterbacks. How 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 does that get done? Is that because they have such great players that are able to do that type of stuff? Is that because Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, is so brilliant that he can devise things that other people can't? Like, where does that come from? They, when you look at their, their team, Roquan Smith, monster. Kyle Hamilton, monster. Marlon Humphrey's really, really good. Their, the way their coach put them in a position to be successful is what I admire about them. The, the way their coach draws up the scheme, draws up the game plan. And you can't just show up, Salk, and just think it's going to just happen on, on Sundays. These guys you could tell and walk through at practice. We're going to watch it on tape. I want it to look like this. When I was with the Las Vegas Raiders, the, the coach, they drew up the entire third down package and everyone understood what the game plan was going into Sunday. And so just what he does schematically is something that hmm. is really, really off the charts. Right well, he, he's one of the guys that people are very uh, interested in here in Seattle, right? Their defense coordinator, Mike McDonald. They haven't interviewed him yet. They can't interview him until the Ravens are out. So that's, what? I know it's a, like specific rules on when you do what. They can't interview him until the Ravens either lose this week or after the Super Bowl. I didn't know. Are yeah. you sure? I'm pa- we yes, we, we, just, we just heard it from uh, from our guy Tom Palacero just a moment ago. We didn't interview Ben Johnson yet? Uh, they did interview Ben Johnson. So they can interview Ben Johnson again if no matter what happens this weekend. But if if Mike McDonald doesn't lose this weekend with the Ravens, they can't talk to him until after the Super Bowl. So we're potentially waiting until after February. If that's the guy you want. <laughs> and then you just got to go all in for him. Yeah. Because other teams are waiting as well. Yeah. Well, by then, the other openings may all be full. I mean, we'll wait and see. And then there's the possibility that, you know, Andy Reid retires, and then that job opens up as well. Andy so. Reid's not retiring. No? No. You don't God, buy that? no. Andy Reid is going out when, when Patrick Mahomes is like, I'm, I'm done playing for That him. might be for like 10, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, you're not doing that. He's going to be gone before Patty. He's going to be gone before Patty. Hey, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he could have 10 <laughs> years easy left in his career. Yeah. But um, I, I tell you, when the Seattle Seahawks – Played the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of who their defensive coordinator was, who this Mike McDaniel cat is. But I, I watched that game, and I'm like, those guys are balling <laughs> on the defensive side of the football. They made their trade for Roquan. Kyle Hamilton, they use his skill set very, very well. They blitz him. They go man-to-man coverage. They got some big boys up front. So before his name got hot, right. I watched that tape, and I'm like, these guys are for real. Well, and it certainly doesn't hurt that they got a pretty good quarterback over there. I mean, I just it is unfathomable to me that this guy was potentially available last offseason, yeah. and nobody seemed to want him. You saw that? It, it is just absurd. No, no. let's, let's It's take absurd. It, no, so take it back to the draft. You remember him and his mom just yeah. laying, just like, why not me? Why are they passing up on me? The guy was the Heisman Trophy winner. The guy was like looking like Reggie Bush at quarterback and just wait, going to pass you up, pass you up. I think there was some concern at that part, at that time, that he was not that accurate. And I think he's become more accurate since he's been in the NFL. At least that's what Brock told me because he had done some of his games at Louisville and just said, look, really intriguing player, not that accurate a passer. He's unbelievable. I can't believe that there are people that don't that don't love him or think he's the best player. How accurate was a Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah. How accurate was a Johnny Manziel? How accurate was a Tim Tebow? <laughs> Stop it. Come on now. The guy was phenomenal. The guy was electric. What else do you want from your quarterback? 
He won the Heisman for crying out loud. He's top five in the um in the standings. Yeah. The guy was everything that you want to from. Is a he the most fun player in the NFL to watch? Nah. <laughs> really? He is for me. I no. think he's the most fun player in the NFL to watch. No, that's not true. You love Debo Sam. Debo Sam. I like Debo guy. too. I like Debo a lot. I like Derrick Henry a lot. Like, there's a bunch of guys that I will tune in to watch them. But, Lamar's your but guy. I think Lamar's number one. Like, if you're just telling me, like, all right, there's you know 16 games on right now, pick a player that you want to watch. I think it's Lamar. I think he's the most fun, exciting player in the league since Michael Vick. About three years, three years ago, I would say Lamar Jackson. Right yeah. now, for me, it's Tyreek Hill. Really? I can just turn on a Miami Dolphins game. Really? And just watch Tyreek Hill huh. just run circles around guys. Interesting. He's I, so fast. Yes. But um, yeah, with the, with the Lamar Jackson thing, almost a free agent. Like, trade him. Get yeah. him out of here. Like, I don't want that. He, I don't he, want he's him. He's not worth that much money. <laughs> what? It really is, feels just completely absurd as you watch these games now. To be and fair, Morris said done. there was a lot of years he didn't he didn't finish a whole season. It's some injury at concerns. The, at the end of the year is when it was like, oh, we're going to have yes. them. And was out for their biggest games, like their playoff games. Yes. Or, and, and and last year more when um, he, he kind of. He didn't travel, right? Yes, he, he didn't. He he protected himself mm. towards the end of last year. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that he was like, okay, I don't have my contract. I'm not going to put myself in jeopardy to lose money. And so he did channel that business side mm. of where I got to put myself first before I'm sure there's folks that don't love that especially out of the quarterback or who's got to be the leader of the team and the dedication and all of it but man you watch him on the field and you watch how much his teammates seem to love him and all of that yeah. he sure seems like a guy that'd be pretty fun to watch in your own hometown all right we got KJ in for the entirety of this hour yes we'll be kind of coming in and around the Seahawks coaching search but I want to focus a little bit more on these playoffs and what these playoff teams have in common and what we can learn from it here in Seattle we'll do that with KJ coming up next on Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. This, this is Brock and Salk. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, KJ is here. Yes, a full hour with KJ. And we watched those games this weekend. The last weekend with four games. So sad. As great as as great as this weekend is with championship weekend, it is kind of a bummer when you're down to just two games on Sunday it's and that's very sad. it. And it's really sad. I was talking to a friend yesterday. I was like, do you just feel like your life just kind of shifts when there's no Seahawks football on? It's just like so sad. And like you wake <laughs> up and you turn on your TV and you just see other teams playing. It you don't see Lumen Field. Yeah. Could you imagine Lumen Field right now? This weekend? They're this weekend. Getting ready to host the, you know, Who Lions are Niners? or the Niners yeah. or whatever. Don't you miss those days? I do. Don't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And by the way, when you play in these games, when you go through round by round, do you feel a difference in intensity from wildcard weekend to divisional round to championship weekend? Like, does that feel any different as a player? Wildcard weekend and divisional rounds are the same. Okay. Wildcard weekend, you know, you're excited. It's the playoffs. We're the only, you know, just last few men standing. Divisional rounds, yeah, good job. We got to the next round. When you get to that next, that NFC championship, when you see that Super Bowl around the corner, it gets real deal, Holyfield. Really? Man. It gets real. How? How does it change? How can it? I mean, I, it feels like everything is already so amped up, so hyped up. How can it get more? Just think about it. As, as a kid, as a young pup, you you dream of playing in this game. You dream of just getting to the Super Bowl, being those top two teams mm-hmm. standing. And when you're in the NFC Championship, there's one team that's in your way. 
That's one team that's trying to take your dream away from you and your city. And um, I, I kid you not, wild card, divisional, cool. But when you step in between those lines in an NFC championship, when it's just that game, when it's just those stakes on the line, it is everything. Is it more intense than the Super Bowl? It's more intense. Because it's a normal environment rather than the corporate environment. Side. Yep. It's, and, and it's it's obviously at a home. It's at someone's home. Right. It's just a week. You got the division. Then you got the next week. During the Super Bowl, you have time. You have time to breathe, time to relax, time to just exhale. You got two weeks to prepare for the Super Bowl. And so completely different. It's two completely different environments. It's so funny. I just first, completely You never got to play on the road for an NFC championship game, right? The two you played in yeah. were both at home, which yeah. was great. But it, it I, it's too bad just sort of in retrospect that you don't have that experience because I wonder what that feels like going into enemy territory for an NFC championship game. I yeah. bet it's pretty darn cool as well. Yeah. And I don't know, for some reason, when you just talk about those two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, all I can think of <laughs> is the, like, insanity around whether or not Marshawn Lynch would talk to the uh, press. <laughs> like, the fact that that was the biggest story in America for a week and a half is, like, the dumbest thing of all time. Just about that action, Bob. <laughs> what were you guys saying as he was doing all that? Just about that action, Bob. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Just I thought it was, won't get fine. I thought it was golden. I'm like, bro, great job. This is you. Like, was he it, laughing about the whole thing? Were you laughing about it? I thought it was perfect. I didn't. I didn't talk to him about it that week. But just seeing Deion Sanders up there. Are you shy? <laughs> are you nervous? You don't like the camera? Like, no, bro. He's normal. Like, he's funny as heck when he's in the locker room. He's a cool guy. He talks actually a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, but just the whole thing, it wasn't a distraction. I, I promise. Oh, it was, I believe it. Yeah, it it doesn't seem like it was at all. It's just hysterical to me that we were even talking about it. Hey, did you notice the difference? You said it was different as a player. Do you notice the difference between the coaches going from a wild card mm. divisional to an NFC championship? Mm-mm. Nope, nope. They're just steady, calm, cool the whole time. Uh, uh-uh. no. Co- they would not allow us to feel any difference. They wouldn't allow us to feel this game is bigger than the other. Same game plan. Same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday routine. Um, we don't talk about Super Bowls. We don't talk about any of that stuff. It's just they kept us focused. They kept us. This is the task at hand. This is the game plan. Let's go out here, championship opportunity, and kick some tail. No big speeches, no, no. guests or anything like no. that. No. Pete doesn't need do any of that. No, no big speeches, no bringing in a David Goggins or a former player. This is just all about us. It's all about us. We're facing the Niners. We're facing the Packers. Let's go have some fun and come out with a win and see what happens. All right. Let's just see what happens. All right, so I got distracted there. I'm sorry. Let me get back to the question I was originally going to ask you, <laughs> KJ, when we came back, and that is as you watched the four teams that are left, Baltimore and uh, Kansas City, mm-hmm. and then on the other side, San Francisco and Detroit, is there a common theme? Is there anything that connects those four teams that you look at and say, okay, the NFL is moving in this type of direction because these four teams are left? Yes, and I know we get so mesmerized with the Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. the um, Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff is having a stellar year, Brock Purdy, who I'm tired of the game manager um, connotation he has on his name. But if you look at these teams, I said this last week, it's so easy. It's so simple what they're doing well. Pacheco had an outstanding game. Christian McCaffrey is going to be Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, they ran 150 yards. Deep, deep. It's the run game. It's the run game. It's, it's, it's so simple. It's so boring. It's the run game. It's the offensive line. And um, it's the defense as well. You saw the San Francisco 49ers. Drake Greenlaw called game with, with the interception. He had two picks. You saw what the Baltimore Ravens, like, it's just defense and it's the run game. And it's when you get into the red zone, are you putting up points? Or are you coming out with field goals? Mm. You giving me six or you giving me three? What, what are you giving me? 
And um, and so it may sound boring, it may sound cliche, but it's all about doing the little things right. But what's really, really done well is the run game and the defense. The line of scrimmage, essentially. Control so the trenches. So if you if you were in the front office for the Seahawks and you had the number 16 pick, kind of knowing what you know about their team and knowing what you know about the four teams that are left, are you making sure that this draft is one in which you are focusing on the line of scrimmage? Well, when you look at how you move as a as an organization. You you're aware. You're aware of your opponents. You're aware of what's going on. But obviously you gotta focus on us. Mm-hmm. What do we need? What are we lacking as a football team? And I and I truly believe that when they watch the tape, when they look at the film, look at the personnel, they gotta get better in the trenches. What were we in on stopping the run? Not good. Thirty first. Yeah. Um how well did we run the ball? Not particularly well. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Let's start with looking in, at that before we look out elsewhere, before we look at the receivers, the DBs, the tight ends. It's Let's the one, look. Yeah, it's the problem I have with last year. As much as I love the Witherspoon pick and, and Jackson Smith and Jigman, both guys were fantastic. Yeah, It hurts me that with two picks in the first round, both went to skill position guys that play farther away from the ball. Now, both are really good, and Witherspoon yeah. finds a way to get in and around the action quite a bit. Yeah. And maybe it's magnified a little bit because your second round defensive end linebacker just didn't work out, at least in year one, the way you wanted it to. But it just kind of stings that they they went to skill position yeah. with those two picks. And um, that's they, we did it. We did it. We made a move. We, yep. we pulled it. Now, going in 2024, <laughs> when that draft comes and, and Mr. Roger Goodell's get up on the podium, <laughs> hey, let's see what we do. Let's see which direction we go. If you were a first round pick, would you hug Goodell? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give a kiss on the cheek if I could. Yes. Who, uh, you ever meet Goodell? Uh-huh. I, I, we sat down with him at the draft last oh, year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a bunch of legends. How me, was that? Demarcus Ware, Torrey Holt. It was awesome. Torrey Holt's a good player. Torrey Holt's really Holt a really good player. What um, What do you talk about with, with We Goodell? talk about the league. We talk about what we see as former athletes, what we would like to see improved with the referees, with the field. Think he listened to you? I think I think he did. Yeah. I, just just feeling his connection, I voiced how I felt. Um, it's about re- I think mine was about referees maybe, mm-hmm. and um, the feels of concussion. I'm really big on concussion protocol. Yep. I think he listens, <laughs> and um, it's just a matter of obviously that's one meeting. Yeah. Some guys are in his ear like Curtis Martin. You remember Curtis Martin? You know Curtis Martin. Yeah. Um, he's in his ear often, <laughs> and so it was really cool that they had players come in to see hey how can we make the game better what can we improve and Roger Goodell listen I'm going to mention Curtis Martin at 9 30 today he's going to come up because I'm talking about the baseball hall of fame and I'm going to bring up Curtis Martin uh in about an hour at 9 30 after right. you're gone all right KJ uh we got another half hour to go and there is one question more than anything else I want to ask you about it relates to the Seahawks coaching staff's uh coaching hunt but it's specifically about the three head coaches you played for in your time in the NFL. I'll ask you next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. (laughs) This This is Brock and Salk. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Salk, who sing this song? Ready or not, Fuji's? here I come. Okay, just checking. You can't hide. I just had to wait. I had to get my mic on there. Sorry, Lauren Hill. Sucks pretty good. Okay, I'm just checking. Jeez, <laughs> you know what? You know what's I, wrong with pro? You know what's going on with pros right now? Pros? Yeah. Oh, you don't know about pros? Well, sorry. You're gonna ask me if it's the Fuji's. <laughs> I assume you know who pros is, since he was one of the guys in the Fuji's. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> 
the tables wow. have turned. It's only Wyclef John and Lauren Hill. And Prawns. He's the third member of the Fugees. Never right heard now, of him. What do you mean you never heard of him? <laughs> like Tito Jackson. No. Prawns a big part of the Fugees. And he's recently been arrested, and I believe, I don't, don't quote me on this, but I believe he was actually convicted of being a spy. He's like a foreign operative uh, spy who was caught and has been, <laughs> yes, tried and I believe convicted. I just was reading about it the other day. Learned he was in the Fuji's and then he became like a Chinese spy. Totally insane. Interesting. Are you looking it up, Justin? Yeah, he was in, in April 2023. He was found guilty of 10 criminal counts <laughs> at the U.S. District Court for charging <laughs> he can't travel internationally. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's crazy. Absolutely Whoa. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so don't test me on the Fuji's. Yeah, that's that's enough out of that. Right. Set myself yeah, that was, that was you're in a bad spot now. <laughs> that was very embarrassing for you. All right, let me uh, let me ask you this because we've been having this big debate uh, over the last few days, and I wrote about it at SeattleSports.com last night uh, about the importance of X's and O's for a head coach. How great do they need to be with the X's and O's? And it, it, it one, I wanted to ask you about your experience with Pete Carroll, John Gruden, and then Rich Biasaccia. Um, in terms of how much you saw them scheming, yeah. how, how much in how much interactions would you have? What were your interactions like with them, mm-hmm. and how much of an effect would they have on the weekly game plan, and et cetera? Rich, Bis- Rich Basaccia, that was my interim coach with the Las Vegas Raiders. We didn't have any of it. We didn't have any any of it. He was more so of um, this is the this is what we're going to do. This is how we want to attack. Mm-hmm. He's more of an emotional type of, of leader when it comes to running the team. And when he took over, he was a special teams coach before Special teams coach. Okay. So he wasn't okay. coming from an offensive defense background Mm-mm. anyway. Yep. John Gruden, obviously all offensive guy. And um, he wouldn't come up there and necessarily go over the X's and O's, but he would show film on what he wanted to do. It wasn't like chalk- both the offense and the defense. Mm, Just more, for the more so offense. Right. More so offense. So when he's the offensive coach and essentially the play caller on offense, what is that like on the defensive side? It's it's fine. It's fine. We it's an understanding. It's an understanding that he's going to be on that side of the ball. He's not going to have anything to do with us. He's going to coach up Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs, mm-hmm. and we're going to do our thing over here with Gus Bradley and Richard Smith. Do you feel like he doesn't even really know who you are at that point? I mean, like, do you feel like you have a, a, a less of a bond? The only connection that we we have is a shaking hands during team stretch. Shaking hands during wow during all that. There's there's that no. That must have felt so weird for you after a decade with Pete. It's, yeah, it's completely different. It's completely different. <laughs> You're like, hey, what's with the coach? How come he never? How come I never say hi to the guy? Yeah, he'll come say what's up during team stretch, but that's about five seconds out of uh, seven days a week. Wow. And yeah, it's just it's what it is. It's football. It's business. Right. You do your job, I do my job. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, and then what about with Pete? And with Coach Carroll is the way that Coach Carroll would approach the game plan is he'd be like, okay, this is what this team does well. This is what th- this team struggles with. This is how we're going to try to attack them. We're going to go at this position. We're going to go at this position. KJ, we're going to need you to you know stay on top of this guy. It would be more of a holistic approach to how we're going to attack the team. It wouldn't be narrowed down. Right. Right. But um, I'll tell you this. Malcolm Smith, um, we all know Malcolm Smith played for the Seahawks, but he went to San Francisco, and he would describe their team meetings with Kyle Shanahan. Rich Sherman told me this too. He would say they would just know every single thing, like the the detailed team meetings that he would take mm-hmm. with those guys. He would say they learned so much just about ball, just about the X's and O's, just about why are we doing this. 
why are we running this play here mm-hmm. against this defense? And did you feel like that wasn't really the case here in Seattle? Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. And that's fine. And is that, and just to, to follow up, is that because of Pete or do you think, that, and, and his general culture, or do you think that was because of Ken Norton or, you know, any of the other defensive coordinators mm-hmm. you play for? Like whose role would that have been? That that role, in my personal opinion, is it, great if it comes from the coach, but that role is to come from the coordinators. Okay. That is to come from the D.C. and the O.C. When when we're in the team meeting, that's everyone in there. And um, if you necessarily just go into the fine details of offense, defense, special teams, you may run out of time. You can talk about that till the cows come home. But um, just talking to those guys, that's something that he really implements yeah. in his team meetings. And this is how we are going to learn about our opponents. We're going to run these certain plays, and they'll show tape yeah. and why we're attacking this team this so, way. So the reason I ask you, and, and we've been sort of having this conversation for the last week or so, is you know, for the most part, the guys that are out there as options for to be the next coach – our coordinators right now. Mm-hmm. And other than, you know, Dan Quinn or Raheem Morris, who both did it as a head coach at some point, or maybe Mike Vrabel, if that name ends up surfacing here, the other guys, the only thing we really have to judge them on is their coordination. How were they as a offensive coordinator yes. in yes. Detroit or defense coordinator in Carolina or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be? And it's easy to kind of, I think, get caught up in the X's and O's and how great they are at scheming because that's all we really know about them on the outside. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that those are the things that are necessarily what John should or could be looking for in terms of who should lead this program moving forward. And and, and Salky, I want both of them. I really, I want. You want the X's and O's and the the leadership? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I want both of them. I want the leadership. Well, that X's and O's, like, I'm a, I'm a football nerd. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an X's and O's type of guy. I truly believe scheming people up, putting guys in the right position, seeing a weakness in your opponents and exposing them, I really believe with a fire game plan, with a really good, this is what we're going to do, week in and week out. Like, week in and week out. Like, you can change stuff every single week to expose your opponents. And I believe you get the right brain in here, the right mindset, the right staff, you can do some damage. So I guess, well, that's interesting because I, I, I've I been downplaying the X's and O's a little bit. Not saying it's unimportant, but just putting it maybe a notch below the leadership, the communication, the relatability, yeah. maybe even the ability to hire other great coordinators because I think you can get that from the coordinator yeah. position. Um, but but certainly I don't mean to minimize it and say it's not important. Yes. How do you, how, you know, does it need to come from the head coach or can that come from whomever the head coach hires? Does what exactly need to come? I guess from? the scheming and X and O brilliance that you're talking it, about. It, it doesn't need to come from the head coach, but the head coach needs to make sure that the coordinator, he has, he has to have that. Yeah. I, I think with this day and age, with the explosive these quarterbacks are, with as good as the way they're protecting these guys, the way that we see the NFL wants to see all these points, you need to find someone to slow that down. You need to find someone to on the opposite side of the football to put those points up mm-hmm. on the board. And um, it, it won't just happen by accident. You got to do a lot of homework. You got to do a lot of research. Understand how guys are going to attack um, on, on on their side of the football. And just just make the right hire. Make the right hire. 
It's a tough gig, man. Uh, John John Schneider right now has in some ways the best job in the world and in some ways the most difficult. And, and uh, trying to go I through all these candidates. I know he's stressed. Right? Yeah. And and just let's just talk Shane. Can we talk Shane Waldron for a little bit? Yeah, let's do so. So Shane Waldron, in case guys haven't uh, you guys haven't heard, he does end up uh, going to Chicago. He's going to be the new offensive coordinator there in Chicago. Okay. So when it comes to hiring coaches, we hired Shane Waldron because of the tree he came from. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? I think it's part of it. Yeah, I mean certainly. And I you know I believe that he was hired to sort of be a compromise with Russ. Russ wanted to cook a little bit. Pete wanted to run the ball, mm-hmm. and they tried to find somebody that would appease Russ. And yes. I don't think it ever really ended up being a very good natural fit with Pete. Yeah. So understand this: when you are hiring a quarterbacks coach or running backs coach to take that next step to calling plays, to scheming guys up, to to really controlling the offense, you're taking you. He, he doesn't have any experience with it. Right. You're taking a risk. You're taking a chance. And and so you have to understand that with a a coach with a coordinator coming in here, right, to becoming a head coach, it's the same thing. You're you're taking a risk, you're taking a chance because he doesn't have any mm-hmm. experience with it, right? And so what I want to see is a coordinator, right, to come in here and just really just just structure this team properly. You come in and you still call the plays. A head coach, a coordinator that comes in with a head coach, I want the coordinator to still call the plays. You see what D'Amico Ryan's doing. Mm-hmm. You see when um, Kyle Shanahan. He's became, you want the head coach to call the plays, either on offense or defense. I want the head coach to call the plays. Hmm, why? Because I, I, it feels like that would be even more, like they ha- they have so much else to do and so many difficult decisions to make anyway. Why do you want them calling plays? In the first year. Yeah. Uh, in the first year. In the first year, when you get here, call the dang plays. Hmm. I want you to do it. I don't, I don't want you to come in. And just hand it off to someone new. I want you to groom the next coordinator that's going to call the plays. Mm. I want you to teach him your style. I want him to watch you and how you move and operate. I want you to be the play caller Mm. and the head coach. Don't just come in here, just be the overseer of every dang thing. No, I'm trying to win ball games. I (laughs) I need them X's and O's that I hired. I need them X's and O's. I need your brain on Sunday. Don't just let your brain go to waste. And just try to lead and throw a challenge flag. Interesting. What do coaches do on, what do head coaches really do on? Well, they have a lot of decisions to make about, you know, fourth downs and challenge flags and timing and timeouts and some of that stuff. That happens about six times a game. Well, they better be ready because they seem to screw it up a whole lot. Them other, them <laughs> other, them other 40 plays, yeah. I need your brain um, really working. And, I gotta tell you, and, man. And Colin I'm so sorry, but I, I I feel like you have really, really hurt your credibility today. People are very upset with you on this text line here. Talk, let me they know. are just taking shots at you left and right. Talk Salk did not just take KJ to school on hip hop knowledge. KJ doesn't know who Proz is. Okay, is Cliff, is Mike B available on Wednesday mornings? No, what no. is happening oh, here? Hey, them fight, no, them fighting words. Who, yeah, who said that? Say their name. Uh, I, who sent that? I mean, someone in the 206. I'll read this one. Just please bear in mind, I'm reading this. KJ, when you're done with the show today, the black community would like a word. <laughs> Getting owned by Salk on rap is unacceptable. How are you going to handle this? Like, Are you going to be able to continue on with your life after today? Oh.
Yeah. You got, you got me there. I set myself. That's when I, I mean, you really to be, did. It was no, super embarrassing. I was trying to be mean to you. I know. And you see how karma got me in like five seconds. K, that 503 says, KJ's trying to test private school white kid hip-hop knowledge. Huge <laughs> mistake. <laughs> Don't you know how integral hip-hop was for early 90s college prep high schools? Yeah. What is the text line saying about the new coach coming here? Oh, they don't care about that. They only want to make fun of you for not knowing Ghetto Superstar and Praz. Uh, What are they saying? You know, we took calls for a while yesterday, and um, I think the most common names, I just asked people to call up and give a name and one sentence as to why. Who do you want? Give me one sentence as to why. By the way, if I ask you that question right now, you you don't want me to ask you the question? Uh, (laughs) Ask me. (laughs) Give me one name and why. Give me one. Give me. Give me the name you would like to be the Seahawks head coach, and one sentence as to why. Oh, Seahawks! They're so. Oh I know it's hard. It's hard, man. Who would you like? I told you last week. I still love Dan Quinn. You still want Dan Quinn? I still love DQ. But it seemed like by the end you were pretty well convinced on either Vrabel or Harbaugh. No, I wasn't. No, Harbaugh. Yes. Okay, not Vrabel. Not Vrabel. Okay, not that Vrabel. would be my answer right now because I think Harbaugh is going to end up going to. Uh, Harbaugh's to, going. He's going to go to the Chargers. Harbaugh's it looks like that's going to get done today. So my answer right now would be Vrabel. If you ask me, I would say I want Mike Vrabel because I think he brings the relatability with the players. He's played recently and seems to have that communication skill, leadership skill but also has sort of that line of scrimmage identity that is exactly what the Seahawks have wanted to be for quite some time. Do his players like him? I don't know. I I, I mean, we talked to Ben Arthur today. Do you remember Ben used to cover the yes, Seahawks? Yes, I love when he was Ben. Here? Yeah, so he's a good dude. He's in, um, he's in Tennessee. Yeah. And so I asked Ben about that today. He sure seemed to think they did. He said that he did a great job of putting his players in the best position to succeed and that while he can be a little gruff – He's not Belichick gruff. Yeah. He's he's played he play, somewhat he played recently. Yeah. His quote was the players would run through a wall for him. Yeah. So I would say he he if anything, he really oh yeah, KJ's you not sure, sure about that. That's what he said. That's what he said. Yeah. But you know people over there? I know people that know that. <laughs> that's not that's not the vibe you get. Some guys love him. Will Compton. Everybody knows Will Compton busting with the boys. Will loves him. Will mm. would run through a brick wall for him. But you know. But there's, but there's others who would not. You know, you know. All right. You know. <laughs> just, you know. Got it. Um, but, but yes. Who's your, so your answer is Dan Quinn. DQ. Because? Oh, because. Obviously, because I'm biased. Let's just, let's just be, <laughs> let's just, let's just be, let's just be honest. When right. I get on this microphone, yeah. let's just be honest. I, but I love Dan Quinn as a person. Yep. When he did in Dallas, it really sucks because one game, that one game, Broke it, it really just ruffled people's feathers the wrong the way. The Super Bowl. Or you no. mean the Super Bowl or the Cowboys game? The Cowboys Packers ah, game. Yeah. Yeah. Just everything is under a magnifying glass in Dallas. Everything's bigger in Texas. The way they got put up forty eight points on them uh from what is going on in Dallas? Have you followed any of that story with everybody's like wife, sister, and mother and brother taking shots at each other in Dallas? CD Lamb's mom is saying Dak I, ain't it. I saw that. And then Dak's brother is saying Cowboys are the worst and I want to get out of here. Who else was in it yesterday? I think they were all like they're all feuding with each I, other there. I, I, I played with a guy in Vegas and he said it's not about football in, in Dallas. He said it's not about football when it comes to the Cowboys. He said there's so much distractions wow so much drama and it's jerry's world it's, it's jerry's world and until jerry is like removes himself from mm-hmm. the organization which will never happen they're going to be in the same debacle each and every year so you you ask what the people are saying and dan is dan quinn's not been a very popular choice yeah. and and i think it's just it feels like safe it feels like settling a little bit it feels like going backwards to some people, I think it feels, you know, that Cowboys game, the last game did kind of hurt that image of what he's done and the fact that 
you know, they didn't have a lot of success against better quarterbacks this year. He did yeah. really well, but has struggled with Shanahan, struggled with McVay, mm-hmm. uh, lost that Super Bowl. A lot of the credit for that Super Bowl is now even getting there has gone to Shanahan. I, I yeah, think it's just yeah. like that that story here in Seattle is not playing nearly as well as Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald, who I think are right now the two most popular candidates if if Jim Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel are out. I, I'm, and I can't fight that. I cannot fight those facts. I cannot fight that those opinions. When you look at who's in the NFC championship, who's in the AFC championship, you want a piece of it. Mm-hmm. You you want a, you want that a part of your city. You're part of your team. And if those two guys do come here, a, a lot of people will be happy. I, I, w- I would love it if, if one of those two guys came. Yeah, me too. But I have no idea if they're good leaders. I have no idea if they're good at building culture. I, don't I have no idea. I don't know anything. About, nope. And most of us don't because yep. all we know, I know Ben Johnson's a damn good coordinator. Mm-hmm. I know he got the most out of Jared Goff and that offense. And that looks a lot like the offense I'd like here in Seattle. I know I'd love to have that Mike McDonald defense right now here. But I don't know whether they are going to lead a program the way Pete did. I may be reaching with this. Bear with me here. I may be reaching to this. But I was talking to someone yesterday, and I would love it if we could have film on coordinators running meetings. Mm-hmm. I would love if I could see a coordinator running a Saturday night meeting or a Wednesday um, game plan meeting. I would just love to see if the NFL allowed – um, this is this tight. It's yeah. super tight. No one gets this, but for when they ready to get ready to get hired, teams could see this. Teams could evaluate how they speak, how they stand in front of a room. And I just think that would just be golden. I think and, you'd want to see the the root, like you'd want the wide shot, the reaction shot as well. Yeah. What do the players look like while he's talking? Yes. Are the players engaged? Yes. Or is everybody kind of nodding off in the meeting? Yes. Right. Like what? What? I think that you're absolutely and, right about that. And, and the film, it is, it is Fort Knox. It is G14 classified. No right. one has access to this until they request it. Until right. you request hmm. um, four weeks of. Belichick would get it. He'd already have. He'd be like, "Look, I already have that film. I don't know what to tell you. I already got that film." Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you're right about that, and it's one of the reasons. Yes, if they end up going with one of those guys, I'll be excited. And if they end up going, the the other name that sort of intrigued me a little bit is this uh, Azura Vero from from Carolina, who was in Denver before that, and just talking to Tom Pelissero earlier, he said, "Look, this dude is super impressive, and the fact that his resume isn't the best coordinator on the best team." Like that's and that's generally how NFL teams yes. choose their next coach. Yes. Who's the best coordinator on the best team this year? Okay, let's get him. Yes. And I I think that's a terrible way to choose I a agree. coach. I agree. If they go with a guy like Avero, or maybe even this Patrick Graham who's in uh, Las Vegas, Vegas uh-huh. like the fact that they're not the big name, the fact that they're not the obvious choice, mm. would tell me that they blew John away to such an extent mm. that he had to hire them, that they were so impressive, that they were so good. That's how Mike Tomlin got hired in Pittsburgh all those years ago. That's how Dan Campbell got hired in Detroit a couple of years ago, and we know what kind of success he's had. Um, Who was the other example we came up with of this? Um, There's been a couple others where you just go outside the board like, that guy? And it really works out. And and here's the thing, though, Salk. When you make a hire, you have to – I'm not not appease everyone, but – when you bring in someone, when you bring in a new quarterback, when you bring in, like, you want every, not everyone, but majority of people to be like, oh, to, to be a part of the energy, the positive mm-hmm. energy buzz, the support 
from the players, support from the fan base, support from the building. And so to go and make a reach like that. I know. It's hard. It's, it's, it is hard. But if you get the guy, if, if Avera really has that pull, has that magnetism, is that sort of a presence that when you're around him, that's what Mike Tomlin was. Nobody thought Mike Tomlin was going to get yeah. that job when Cower left. It mm-hmm. was supposed to be Ken Wisenhunt or I forget the other guy. And they went outside the box. They went with a guy who hadn't even been a coordinator. And they're like, yeah, let's bring him in. He's, he's a leader. Mike Tomlin wasn't a coordinator. Was not a coordinator. Jim John Harbaugh had been a special teams yes. coordinator. Yes, was yes, not yes. offense or defense. Dan Campbell, not a coordinator. I think he had been a tight ends coach. Like yes. those guys, even Andy Reid, when he first became a head coach, had not been a, an offense coordinator. He mm. was an O line coach. Like I, Belichick's exactly the opposite, right? He was a brilliant yes. defensive coordinator before anything else. But I don't know, like I, that. Me, me, me and my style, Salk. Me and my style. I'm um I'm I'm like a, I'm, I'm a safe guy. I'm a safe guy. I'm, I'm not too aggressive in life. When I go to the casino, I put about $10, $15 on each thing at the craps table. Right. I don't get too crazy. No. I thought that was because you were cheap. I'm not too crazy and I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if he goes outside the box with a guy, let's get it. Let's, yeah. let's roll. Let's, let's make something happen. What does it mean to be G14 classified? Uh-oh, I got him. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's rush hour. Dang, yeah, I didn't get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's rush hour. Where's Fort Knox? Huh? Where's Fort Knox? Where's Fort Knox? Yeah. Tennessee? I think it's in Kentucky. Kentucky? All right. I, I mean, Kentucky. they're basically the same thing. Yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, Kentucky, I, could, I could be wrong, too. Yeah. Though. yeah. It's Kentucky. Yes. KJ, that's it today. I'm sorry you've been embarrassed. I, I feel really bad for you. You shouldn't on the have whole. did me like that. Uh, well, I, I mean, you you tried to do me. What are you doing? <laughs> you tried to trap him. You tried to get me, and I you put me in a corner, and I just came out scra- you know, scratching and clawing to, to dig myself back out. I thought you was going to, like, prize was like a, a, a musical 80s You don't 80s know Ghetto band. Superstar? You know that song? Justin, don't we have some Ghetto Superstar? Yeah, give him some prize before he leaves. Give poor kid. So K- if I play Ready or Not, I can hear prize. Rapping on there? somewhere on there, I think. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you know the song, right? Yeah. Okay, that's Prowse. Well, not singing. Well, that's that's yeah. ODB too. Huh? ODB and Prowse are right. ODB and Prowse. Yeah. Right, you got me today. I'm gonna get you next week. ODB not a spy though. I don't think. No, Can you imagine ODB so. as a spy? He'd be all over the map. You'd know. Have no idea who he's working for. Hide in plain sight. <laughs> that's for sure. Who's <laughs> a spy for? Which country? Uh, I think it was China, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Some foreign government. Right. I don't know. KJ, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad we had this talk today without Brock. It was a very different version of the KJ Wright Show, but we'll yeah. do it again next week. By next week, we'll be getting ready for the Super Bowl, mm. and uh, maybe the Seahawks will have a coach. Who knows? We'll, uh, we'll we see. We shall see. We'll come right back. If you missed any of KJ, you can find that, of course, at, uh, at seattlesports.com. Go download the whole thing. We'll be right back. I'm Brock and Salk.